Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning service. Um, it is a it is a, a beautiful day, and I think we should be uh, remembering uh, the goodness of the Lord this morning. Uh, we're going to go back this morning and, and continue talking about our two friends, Joshua and Caleb. Uh, we're going to continue the story and as we sort of explore their journey through the wilderness with the people of Israel and uh, speak a little bit about their experience today. And I, pro I pray that it is, in some ways it may be challenging, but I pray it's also encouraging for you. I, want to, I do want to spend a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Uh, it is good and it is right to come before you and to give you thanks and to give you praise. For you are good and you are God. And even though we can't see the whole picture all the time, we know that you see the end from the beginning. We believe this, Lord, and your word teaches us this. Father, bless us today as we, um, as we listen to your word, as we open our hearts to hear all the things that you want to teach us. We just need you, Father. We trust you, Father. And without you, we are nothing, Father. And we thank you for this. We pray your blessing upon us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Numbers 14. Numbers 14. We're going to go back and we're going to look at Numbers 14 this morning. And um, we're going to look at our friends Joshua and Caleb. And indeed, as we look through these stories and we see what it is that Joshua and Caleb did, um, I'm asking that question, if God is, we're reflecting on this idea that if God is asking us to do something, is he ever asking us to fail? Well, of course not. Of course not. You know, I shared with you a little bit about my marriage. Uh, I talked about other things that we're required to do. When the Lord asks us to do something, the Lord promises success. This is God. This is the Lord because he is a God who is faithful to all his promises. And that is, that's what we hold on to. That's what we trust that's what we trust in as well. And so we've been looking at this idea that God has called his people out of Egypt into the promised land, the land filling, running with milk and honey. And uh, we're asking this question, are we responding with the arm of the flesh, which is humanness, or the arm of faith, which is trusting in the power and the promises of God? Now, so far, God had asked the people and the leaders, 12 leaders, to go and spy out the land, probably a couple of years into their journey, to go spy out the land and to um, check, out, check out what kind of land it was. And they brought back word. Now, remember last week, they basically were saying there was 10 of them that were saying, oh, we can't do this. We're, 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 they're giants. <laughs> remember that? We're, they're giants. And we're like grasshoppers in their sight it's like this real um this disbelief or this this low way of thinking of themselves that we're just grasshoppers in their sight and they're going to just squish us yeah they're just going to squish us and so um this idea and then and then caleb's trying to say to them no 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 it's okay it's okay um god is gonna god's got this you know god's got this and so this is where we this is where we sort of um i guess start again and we look at chapter 14 and we see what the Lord uh, is, is going to do in this situation. And so we have, we have men who are saying we can, and then we have this group of men that are saying, no, we can't, okay? And what's really interesting now is how is the majority of the people, how are the congregation going to respond to this? You know, some are standing by faith, some are standing by the flesh, 
And how powerful are these words, these words that they're about to speak, or these words that have spoken, they are quite significant. They are very significant. And what's beautiful about this is that we learn something about the power of our words, but not just because it comes from a, a place in the heart, but also the impact that it has on the people. And we're just about to see the impact that it had on the congregation. And I think, and I think, brothers and sisters, we've got to take this very, very seriously. Remember I said to you last week, I don't want you to think of these 12 men as just the 12 leaders of our church. I want you to think of these 12 men as a picture of a Christian. This is a picture of a Christian. And every one of us ought to be thinking, ought to be thinking of ourselves as Joshua and Caleb. Am I a Joshua and Caleb or am I the other 10 men in this, in this story, in this, in this narrative that God gives us? Because I think for us, we're, we, we need to be always, always ready to speak words of life, speak words of truth into someone. And then if we listen to something, to always be ready to discern between what is good and what is right and what is perhaps deceptive in, in what is being said so that we can stand upon the truths of God. That's the only, our only hope is to stand upon the truths of God. How many things have you heard? How many preachings have you heard? How many you know, internet messages have you heard? Do you believe everything that you listen to? Are you so vulnerable to believe or gullible to believe everything that you listen to? Or are you able to know the word of God and stand upon the word of God and discern different things? And this is where we need you to be, brothers and sisters. We need to have you grow uh, to the maturity of the faith, to the, to the head who is Christ. This is what we want you to do. We don't want you just to kind of float around and just enjoy messages. We want you to grow and be mature so that you're able to teach other people as well too. The church isn't to designed to be um, just for you know, teachers and those who are being taught. We want people to grow, to become teachers themselves. We want people to be strong in their faith and discerning so that as new people come to the church, those who are in the church are able to encourage and strengthen them and to be able to help them and support them. And so in this year, uh, you see how much uh, the, the, um, the impact of what is being said is impacting the people. And you're going to ask yourselves this question. Well, you all know the saying that actions speak louder than words, doesn't it? Actions speak louder than words. Why is that? Why do actions speak louder than words? Why do we even use that phrase? Because at the end of the day, words can come easily. I can say things that make myself look good and spiritual and strong. I can say those sorts of things that other Christians might expect me to say. But when the situation comes, when I've got to put my faith into action, this is where actions speak louder than words. In James, he says it in a different way, that, um, that we need to be able to um, live out our faith, our deeds. Our deeds reflect our faith. And so faith without works is dead, James says it in another way. But our actions speak louder than words. And so remember that thing I think I might have said to you a long time ago, that whole idea that if someone accused you as a Christian, if someone accused you as a Christian, would they have enough evidence to prove it? Or would they say, oh, yeah, they're a Christian because, um, oh, they call themselves a Christian. Or they're a Christian because, oh, they go to church on a Sunday. Was that all they're going to say about you? And then I asked that same person, oh, they go to church on a Sunday, do they? Tell me a bit about their life on a Monday at work. Tell me a bit about their life at home on a Wednesday night. That's what I want to know. Not me, but that's what's important. What's important is not what we present ourselves to be, but who we are, who we are. Actions speak louder than words. And these men understood because for Caleb and Joshua, 
they weren't just words for them. They were actions. They were living their life. They were, uh, for them, God was Lord. And when someone is Lord, it's not a word. It's not a title only. It's a, a decision for us to obey the Lord. If we call Jesus Lord, you know what we're saying? We're saying Jesus will obey you. I'm not becoming a Christian just for the title. I'm not becoming a Christian because I can add another good thing to my life. I'm becoming a Christian because you are Lord. And because you are Lord, I give you everything of my life. There is no compromise in my life, Lord. There is nothing in my life. As you reveal my heart to me, I want to lay it down before you. If you reveal the, the, the filth in my heart, I want to give it up. Whatever it is, Father, because you are Lord. That's what Christians do. And Caleb and Joshua are a picture of the Christian today a beautiful picture and a reminder of what the Christian is asked to do. <clears throat> so verse 1 of chapter 14, verse 1, what's the response and what happens in Numbers chapter 14? What do, what do the people of God do when they hear the men of faith and the men of flesh, the arm of faith and the arm of flesh? What do they do? Verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried out, and the people wept that night. <laughs> I mean, just think about it for a second. What's going on here? You've got the arm of flesh and you've got the arm of faith. And the Bible tells us that when the people listened to what was going on here, they lifted up their voices and cried. They wept all night. They went into a misery. They went into a place of despair. They went into a place of doubts. They went into this place of, of feeling like nothing was right anymore. What happens? What happens? Here they were going through the journey and, and going through this, this wilderness and they're probably starting to feel quite tired about the whole thing, hoping that, that it, now before them was the land and now they're, they're thinking to themselves, it's all going to come to pass, it's going to happen because I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of the same thing happening. I'm tired of this circumstance not changing. And so there's this sense of, you know, why does this, it's like when we might say, why doesn't that person just change? Why is that situation always the same? And so this, here they are hoping that something would happen and then someone has got into their ears and the words that they've spoken. And listen carefully, they've heard words of truth. Listen, they've heard words of truth but they've decided to be persuaded by lies. How many times has that happened in your life? There are words of truth that you hear in situations, but you make a decision to respond and to act and be persuaded by lies. And while God, for example, someone says something to you, and while God's spirit says you need to love them, the arm of faith is love them, turn the cheek. The arm of flesh says, what did they say that to me for? How come they're acting like that for? They shouldn't say that to me. And then there's this retaliation, an argument, a fight that starts to flare up, and all of a sudden you've added fuel to a fire and you forget Proverbs that says a soft answer turns away wrath because that's the arm of faith. You think we don't all feel sometimes we want to just blurt out and get angry at people? That's not the arm of faith. My heart breaks sometimes, brothers and sisters, when I look around me 
and I see people who call themselves Christians or who have called themselves Christians in the past and they're just living like the world, just doing the things that the world do, does, speaking like the world does, addicted to the same things the world is addicted to, nothing hard, just soft things they're addicted to. And I look around me and I, my heart breaks and I think, what's happened? What's happened? When was this ever called Christianity? And what happened to those people who once stood firm and have now drifted and have just gone back because they think it's more pleasurable just to do what the world does and yet they find themselves bound and addicted to these things then they're not happy and they're not free and they've been persuaded by lies. And I understand the Apostle John who says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth because as you watch the church and you watch the people associated with the church and, and you realise that when they stand strong, there is great rejoicing. Brothers and sisters, are you persuaded by lies? Is someone or something telling you it's okay to do certain things? When God is asking us to stand firm and may our love for each other continue to stand firm, that there is no division among us, but rather joy and strength because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And here they were. Here they were being persuaded by the lies and, and, and weeping. And, and how, how beautiful because um, here they have one. Um, actually, I'll get into that in a little bit. In a little bit. So let's, let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 now. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses. <laughs> Listen. And Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Look at verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims, this victim mentality? Have you ever, have you ever found yourself deep in this victim mentality? We'll come back to that in a moment. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Brothers and sisters, we, um, actually, we'll go back. Think about what these people are saying. Think about what these people are saying. These people have got so caught up and so persuaded that they are somehow being victims in this situation rather than to be able to take control and say, Lord, if you have brought us here, Despite the circumstances, you're going to prevail. You're going to, be, to prevail in situation. And how easy it is for the flesh to listen and to be persuaded by lies than the voice of truth that says the victory is ours. Stand because he that is with us is greater than he that's in the world. This victory that is ours is believed upon, not with the arm of flesh, but with the arm of faith. It's the heart that comes before the Lord and says, Lord, I know I can't. I know I can't. But you can. And these people here come and they say they'd rather go back to Egypt and they would rather die in the wilderness than go and be slaughtered by the sword. What's that faith? Where's faith in that? They would rather go back to Egypt? That's like the Christian saying today, you know what, this Christian thing, you know, I thought it was meant to be good and I'd just rather go back and not be a Christian anymore. I mean, does that even make sense? 
someone who hasn't really understood the love and the, and, the, and the generosity and the care and the protection of the Father in heaven. And when you see that, it's incredibly sad. But I'll tell you what's even sadder. What's even sadder for me is the person that says, I won't give up the title Christian. I'll just stop living like one. That's even sadder, like a dog returning to its vomit. That's even sadder because of the false sense of security, this sense of I'll still keep the title Christian, I'll still read the Bible occasionally, I'll still pray occasionally, I might even go to church occasionally, but I don't want to live like one. I'll do what I want to do. And so these people had rather go back, they'd rather go back than to go forward and claim the promises of God. They'd rather retreat and have the devil succeed than stand and know if we resist him, he must flee. You know what it's like? It's hard to always see what's ahead. It's incredibly hard to always see what's ahead. That's why it's called faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not seen, hoped for, and the evidence of things unseen, yeah, Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And that's why the Christian walks in faith. And as your flesh is attacked from all angles, we stand in faith. We stand in faith. Remember Abraham. <clears throat> the Bible tells us a little bit about Abraham that I think reminds us that we are called to be people by not what we can see, the arm of the flesh, but by what, by what we can't see, the arm of faith. Yeah, That's what we're called to do as Christians. That's what Caleb and Joshua were able to do. Jo Caleb and Joshua didn't see grasshoppers. They saw God. They didn't see giants. They saw God. And so faith is living by what you can't see. The arm of the flesh is living by what you can see. And so remember Abraham, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That's an incredible concept. Abraham packed up, grabbed his family and took off. And God said, go. Where am I going, Lord? Go. And so Abraham, Abraham, by faith, the Bible tells us, went out not knowing where he was going because it took faith. It wasn't the arm of the flesh. It was the arm of faith. And you and I are called to the same faith. That everything's not clear. Everything's not crystal clear. In fact, sometimes it looks quite dark. God is saying, faith, believe. Also in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us this. These all died in faith. This is talking about the people who stood for their faith. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Yeah, they didn't receive them, but they saw them afar off because this is faith. And they were assured of them and they embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. How beautiful is that? that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Now, when you're a stranger and you're a pilgrim, 
You're not in your own land. You're like an ambassador. In fact, the Bible calls us ambassadors. We're in a foreign land. And as an ambassador in a foreign land, you expect that person to represent their country well. True? You don't see an ambassador, or you ought not to see an ambassador who goes and gets themselves drunk every night, who's, who's manipulating the system, is frauding the taxes. All of a sudden, they're representing the country. What's this? And so the ambassador represents the country, but he's a foreigner. She's a pilgrim, if you like, in someone else's country representing her homeland. Sure, her heart is for her homeland, but she represents her country well. And see, as ambassadors of Christ, we are pilgrims through this life, through this journey, looking to our homeland by faith, and in the meantime, representing our Saviour well. Amen. This is faith. And every day we wake up and we say, thank you, God, perhaps, for the very breath you've given us. What is it today, Lord, that you have where I can represent you well? Don't need to love my wife. Don't need to love my husband. Don't need to love my children. Don't need to reach out to my friend. Don't need to be a good response, a good role model at work. Have I, have I uh, broken the rules I need to turn from? Whatever it is, don't need to share my faith. Whatever it is. And we represent our saviour well. And here they were, strangers and pilgrims on the earth, dying for their faith, dying literally for their faith because they stood and believed with the arm of faith. Verse 4. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and turn to Egypt. Brothers and sisters, look at what they're saying here. Let's select a leader and let's go to back to Egypt. A leader? They want to select a leader? In other words, they want, they want to somehow um, uh, suggest that Moses and Aaron aren't good leaders? But there's a, there's a bigger problem here. They can go against the, the leaders that God has put in their care, but what they're forgetting something is whose ministry is this? Whose kingdom is this? This is God's. They're going to go and choose something that's not ordained of God? Their argument wasn't with Moses and Aaron. Their argument was with God. Their issue wasn't with Moses and Aaron. The issue was with God. And so for them to think that it's Moses and Aaron's ministry, is, is, is they've misunderstood something. This is God. God has, has moved them. God has delivered them. God has chosen Aaron. God has chosen Moses. And if God, if Moses and Aaron are being faithful to God, that's all that matters. And so here they were having a bigger problem. They were, as Timothy tells us, in a time that they couldn't endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they've got itching ears, they heap up for themselves teachers. Second Timothy 4. It's very simple. You're not happy with what you're being told. So you think, let me look elsewhere. It's very simple. And boy, it's a very courageous thing to do. It's a very courageous thing to do. Verse 5 and 6. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, 
and Caleb, the son of Tephanah, who were among those who had spied that land, tore their clothes. So Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly. Did Moses and Aaron get up and start waving a stick around? Did they start arguing with them? Did they start contending with them? No, they became lambs to the slaughter. They fell on their faces before the congregation and just and Joshua and Caleb stood up. They stood up and they tore their clothes with brothers and sisters. It is of great anguish and great pain to see the people of God slide back. What? Because, because we've wasted our time? No. Because their heart, they've left the living God. The only saviour, the only redeemer, the only rescuer. And here it's great pain to watch God's people respond in the flesh when they have seen the glory of God. They saw the Red Sea parts. And yet they responded in the flesh. But Joshua and Caleb, with the arm of faith, stood strong. I heard a very encouraging story recently. I won't name names because he'll get embarrassed. Very encouraging story about a boy in year eight who all his friends mock and make fun of. And yet, he has decided to stand by his faith. Even though it might be lonely sometimes, one stood, though four or five others haven't. How encouraging. How encouraging that we can have children in our church who stand, children in our church who understand there is nothing better than following Jesus even if their friends around them don't want to. And as adults, there is nothing less expected of us. Yeah, go follow the crowds. Go. Go do what non-Christians do. Go, go live like them. Go speak like them. Go be addicted to the things that are addicted. Go, go, go. But you're going to be unhappy. You'll be miserable. And one day you'll see judgment. And so the Lord, by faith, is calling us back. And I knew and I pray that you hear my heart and not my words in this message today. Here they are, painful to watch the people respond by flesh. Verses 7. And they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and will give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Remember, this is, this is uh, Joshua and Caleb. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Eat them up. Their protection has departed from them because the protection is from the Lord. It's ours. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Four things, very quickly, four things. He says here that uh, verse 9, um, sorry, verse 7, um, it is a good land, an exceedingly good land. It's, it's, it's a great land. Yeah, number one, it's a great land. In other words, 
You know, God's promises, they're really, really good. They're really, really good. And God's going to keep them. Yeah. And he says here also, we have a great God because he's saying here that if the Lord delights in us, this is a good God who wants to give us the land. And you know what he's saying here to the people? It's got nothing to do with the fact that we're capable, yeah? So the third thing is it's not because we're capable. It's because God is good and God delights in us and because he loves us and because he promises that. He understands that we're not capable. He says, because you're not capable, I'm going to give it to you. Just walk in faithfulness. Walk faithfully and watch me fulfill the promises I have for you. But what he asks them to do here is do not rebel. Now that you know this, don't be persuaded by lies, but rather behold on to the truth. Don't rebel. Don't let your heart be convinced by the lies and creep and, and creep into this way of thinking that says, oh, I know, but, I know, but. Hold on to the truths of God. And then remember, do not fear them. Because what's going to happen, fear will start the cycle again. Fear will go back and all of a sudden we fall into the arm of flesh again. And while there are fears around us, which is normal, there are going to be fears around us. We don't walk in fear. Though we feel fearful, we don't walk in fear. Very Two very, very different things. Though we experience fear, we're not dictated by it. We're not ruled by it. We walk in faith. So Joshua and Caleb are saying quite simple. If God loves us, and he does, if God's got promises, and he has, and if God has said it, then he'll do it. It's very simple. Isn't that faith? Why do we complicate it? Why do we throw in all these conditions of faith, little clauses? It's almost like yeah, a contract. Faith, 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 faith. Oh, but clause one, two, three, four. Verse 10. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? To stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before the children of Israel. Is this a reasonable response, brothers and sisters? You know what? We've heard the 10 that says that we're grasshoppers. We've heard Joshua and Caleb that says that the Lord delights in us. Uh, let's stone them. Is that a reasonable response? Because the flesh drives the flesh. This is what happens. You start in the flesh, you're driven by the flesh. Before you know, you're acting in the flesh and you're acting very irrationally and irresponsibly. Have you ever seen someone act in the flesh? You think to themselves, you think, this where did that come from? Because this is, this is the flesh that's acting and acting and rebuilding on each other and it grows and it grows and it grows. All of a sudden, you want to throw stones at people. Let's kill them. Rather than saying, hang on a second, what, what, listen, stop. Is this faith? Is this faith? And here they were. The arm of the flesh, brothers and sisters, is always a really good indicator of where someone's faith is. So you don't criticise them, you have compassion for them. Because the arm of the flesh is going to, yeah, be a really good sign of where their faith is. And finally, verses 11 and 12 for this morning. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me for all the signs which I have performed among them? 
and I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. This is so much in here, but I'll keep it simple. The people had heard from Joshua and Caleb. And you know what? In comparison, in comparison, their words were pretty kind, weren't they? They were pretty gentle. Now God's speaking. Now, you know, it's like, you know, um, it's like the students when the teacher's talking and it's all of a sudden the principal walks and they all step up, you know, because now the principal's in the room. Well, I know God's speaking. God's speaking here. And, um, and they're listening because I'll tell you what, Joshua and Caleb, they were like, their words were kind compared to what God was about to say. Now, listen, God's, word are, God's words are very kind, but in terms of the severity, the severity, God's words being God has been very kind to his people because he's just and he's faithful and he's truthful and he's fulfilling his purpose. And it's very, very kind for God to do that because God changes the goalpost. That's unkind. And so God speaks now and he says, Moses, how long are they going to reject me for? Because of what they've done, I'm going to disinherit them. I'm going to strike them with a pestilence. And then he says something beautiful. He says, those who don't want to believe, it's going to be their consequence. But then from the remnants, the ones that you thought they thought were going to be killed by the sword, their children, from the remnants, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. How beautiful. Everything, in everything, brothers and sisters, the Lord is in control. And in everything, God is working and so we operate with an arm of faith. You know what's beautiful in this? <clears throat> yes, there were massive consequences. Yes, there were. But God's work had to continue. God's work could not stop. And this is happening in our lives all the time, brothers and sisters. God has a purpose and the kingdom is moving forward. The kingdom is in the direction of God's purpose. And no matter what the flesh wants to throw at it, no matter what the world wants to throw at it, no matter what all the, the philosophers of this life want to throw at it, no matter what people do, even the carnal Christians and the carnal churches, no matter what people are throwing at the kingdom, God's kingdom is moving forward. Because God's purpose can never be stopped by the arm of man. That's incredibly encouraging for us because the gates of hell will never prevail against God's kingdom. But what's particularly important, brothers and sisters, is that while God's purpose is moving and his kingdom is going in the direction, there's something happening at the same time. And God is working and moving in the hearts of his people if they will come along with him. And building them in faith to stand and be the people who respond in faith, with the arm of faith, to move in the same direction that his kingdom is going. And I pray, brothers and sisters, this morning, that you and me, that we together are people who are standing with the arm of faith, knowing and realising that there's going to be a lot of lies coming our way, a lot of carnality hovering around us, a lot of people with the title called Christians, a lot of people who call themselves Christian but live 
and go and find themselves enjoying the things of the world. A lot of things like that. But will we, as God moves his kingdom, will we stand with him and allow his spirit to reveal and respond? Listen, I don't mind. I don't mind people who say, I can't do this. God help me. My heart breaks for them, but my heart breaks more for those who rebel. Like why rebel if you can't do something? Be honest with God. Rather than rebelling as these people did, rather than rebelling, say to God, God, I don't get it. I don't know. I can't do this, God. Help me. Be honest. Don't rebel. Be humble. Don't rebel. Tell God. Don't, don't, don't try and prove to God that he's wrong. Tell God, God, I can't do it. Don't rebel. For God, his purpose is moving. He's moving and it's going in that direction. And I pray that we, as his church, continue to stand upon his promise and upon his word, knowing that as God is working in the kingdom, he's also working in our hearts and that we want to stand by faith and with the arm of faith. Let me pray for us this morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, God willing, we will continue maybe next week. Uh, this passage, maybe I'll divert to a different passage just for a week. Um, but I do want to finish this story. Uh, there's so much in this that's still in this chapter that really teaches us and helps us to see uh, many things that God, I think God can encourage us in. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word, and I pray that your word continues to speak into our lives, words of truth, even though sometimes they are challenging and they may be confronting. Father, you do this so you can grow us and you can strengthen us. Father, may we continue to love you with all our hearts and may we continue to love our neighbours as ourselves. Father, we pray that we walk with the arm of faith, not the arm of flesh, that you continue to encourage us and strengthen us, protect this church, uh, watch over us and guide us in every step that we make. Help us in the weeks to come as we return on site, that you help us and watch over us, Lord, and give us the strength and the wisdom that we need. We thank you for the love and the patience of your people over all these months that we've been at home. And, Father, I pray that we would continue to rejoice uh, with you uh, and with each other uh, together again. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.